Welcome to the Drink Less, Live More podcast. If you are someone that is wanting to evaluate your relationship with alcohol, you've come to the right place. You don't have to call yourself anything. We don't have to use any labels. You're just someone that knows something isn't working for you and you want to make an intentional change. Let's go. Welcome back to Drink Less, Live More. My weekly newsletter that went out, it goes out every single Monday morning at 6 a.m., except for last week. (laughs) And that's actually part of the subject that I'm going to talk about here today. So I didn't send it out. I also didn't publish a podcast episode last week, which I normally publish them every week on a Wednesday. And what I wrote in the newsletter was really just honestly, I just wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling inspired to record a podcast episode and that's pretty rare for me. I almost always have ideas and I get really excited about what I'm going to say on these. Sometimes when I walk on the little trail by myself, I talk when there's nobody around. Sometimes people are behind me and I don't know it and I'm like, oh crap, but I'll talk through some of my thoughts for the podcast episode. So I normally really love podcasting and talking to all of you every single week. I normally love writing my newsletter and I just wasn't feeling it. I had been feeling sort of this inertia after we got back from vacation. I had a lot of things going on. I had a keynote talk that I was preparing for and delivering a couple of weeks ago. I had a family member that needed some help with some care and support through surgery. And so I was there for that, you know, journey and just the emotional toll and all of those things uh, that come with with this particular circumstance. My sister is in town, which is awesome. She's my best friend. I love hanging out with her. And so she's in town for an extended period of time. And, you know, we went out and did some things. And so I was just, I just wasn't feeling it. And so in the newsletter, I just described, maybe it's okay if we're not feeling it. What if we're not feeling inspired to do something? And what if we just want to do exactly what we want to do for once, which quite frankly, I'm a mom, a business owner, um, a wife, a a sister, a daughter, all those things. And I don't often get to just do exactly what I want to do all day long. So I took some time to do that. And honestly, I could have carved out, carved out time to do both of those tasks. And I just, I just wasn't feeling it. I also was asking myself the question of, okay, do I, do I need to feel guilty about not feeling this? I want to support this community I've created. I want to do the things I say I'm going to do. But quite frankly, if I were you all, I wouldn't want to listen or read something from somebody that was just completely uninspired. I think that we know the difference. If we're really paying attention, we can read something or hear something and say, gosh, that person really has passion behind this. Or gosh, I felt like they were just phoning it in. And so I just decided, you know what, if that were me on the receiving end of that, I would rather have nothing than receive something that was just kind of stuff on a paper or noise. So I didn't publish those episodes and, or I didn't publish an episode. I didn't publish a newsletter and honestly, it felt kind of empowering. So here I am, you know, I'm back, I'm inspired again, and I have no problem finding the motivation to write my weekly newsletter and to do my podcast. So this is going to come up. I've just sort of buckled up for the fact that this is life. Sometimes we feel inspired. Sometimes we have more energy Sometimes we don't, and I think it's okay to be in those spaces where we don't and to offer ourselves some grace and some self-compassion and to question when we have some unearned guilt around not delivering something. 
Um, I think it's a huge thing for women in particular to start to listen to their inner knowing and what exactly they want to do and to do more of that whenever possible. So getting into our topic at hand, that's sort of the, the lead up, sort of the what's been going on the last two weeks in case anyone was wondering. Uh, we're going to talk about dopamine switching. I don't know if this is the correct term. I am not a neuroscientist. I am not a brain expert by any means, but I have heard people talk about this on TikTok and I find it really interesting to think about. So when we think about alcohol and how it affects our brain, so we do know that we get this sort of flood of dopamine to our brain when we first, you know, start drinking alcohol. And that feels great. That's why we keep wanting to come back to it because we're like, this is awesome. I just wanted to feel happy and I feel happy. Now we know, obviously, if you drink to excess, that starts to, uh, to taper off. And then obviously the next day, your body tries to find homeostasis, which basically just means balance. And it's like, your brain's like, wait a minute, there's way too much dopamine here. We got to fix this, you know? And so then it fixes it with other brain chemicals that make you feel like shit in the morning um, and can be depressive. You know, that's why alcohol is considered a, a depressant. And so I was thinking about just my journey. I thought it would be helpful for some of you to hear this. I know when I hear other people's stories and hear my story in it, I'm like, oh, Wow, I didn't know that's what was going on. That's so interesting. But I was thinking about, you know, all the different ways and kind of researching all the different ways that we can get these dopamine kicks and how we can, you know, some of them are healthy, some of them are not so healthy. So I'm going to talk about just my journey through all of that. And when I started to use alcohol for getting my dopamine and I kind of stopped doing all the other things. So we'll start back in my probably late teens, early 20s. Um, Really when I went off to college, I actually was very lonely in college, which, you know, I've heard more people talk about this openly. I don't think that college is always the best time in people's lives. Um, Sometimes it can be really scary. And my first year was very scary. I went to a very large school a um, lot going on. I came from a very small town. I had no idea what I was doing. In hindsight, I probably had a fair amount of anxiety, but I was someone that sort of was like, no, 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 just blow past it. You don't have anxiety. That's not a thing, you know, at the time. My gosh, it's so foolish when I think about it now. But so I developed, I was never diagnosed, but I would say I had a binge eating disorder. So I was using food to get that dopamine kick. Like it felt like I was almost doing something naughty. Like I would go and get like a bunch of food and eat it all in one sitting, you know? And I, I really didn't know why I was doing that. You know, you hear people say I eat my feelings or, you know, this person's an emotional eater. That was probably part of it. But really, I think I was also looking for that kind of dopamine kick from this, this experience that I was, you know, binge eating. So I did that kind of on and off for a long time, probably all the way to my thirties. And then I felt like I got a handle on that, but I started drinking more alcohol and I wasn't drinking in excess necessarily. I would drink mostly on the weekends and, you know, go out with friends and stuff. And I wasn't, you know, drinking at home alone, anything like that. And so I was kind of using that for the dopamine. I was also using activity, like going and doing fun, exciting things. I was starting to date my husband or had married my husband in my early thirties at that point. And he um, is more adventurous than I am. And so I was doing all these fun adventures. And so that was kind of where I was getting my dopamine uh, at that point in my life or in that season of my life. 
Then, um, fast forward and I had kids, started having kids and, you know, there was just a lot of stress, probably some postpartum depression that I didn't recognize with my son, definitely some increased anxiety. And so I was using wine to get rid of that. That felt like the solution. I mean, everybody told me that was the answer. If parenting is hard, you just drink wine and then it's so much easier. And I'm like, okay, that sounds great. It's so, you know, being, you know, the age I am and just experiencing that and having the knowledge I have about alcohol now and just how we are just so duped as a society, as a society about how valuable alcohol is and how we need it for our survival. It's almost embarrassing for me to look back and think about the 30 year old version of me that just didn't know. And then when I feel embarrassed, I just say, oh, well, you just didn't know yet. And now you do. And that's something to really actually be proud of. So I practice some self-compassion there about not knowing these things that I felt like I, in air quotes, should have known. So, you know, I used alcohol. The wine was a big deal, obviously. And then I kind of, again, like ebbs and flows of that kind of got a handle on it. And then obviously the pandemic hit. If you've listened to this podcast, you've kind of heard my story, how I really increased my drinking during the pandemic, drank every single day for almost six months and not like one drink. I was drinking to excess and I felt terrible. And that's why I decided I've got to change something here. So that was kind of, you know, how I got to that point. But so a lot of people will tell me, well, when I first quit drinking, I gained a lot of weight. So people promise you, you're going to lose this weight and you gain weight because you're looking for something to also get that kind of dopamine kick or that feeling of like, oh, like I'm going to eat something bad. And people go to sugar. Like they really, truly crave sugar. I don't know the science behind that, honestly. I don't know if that is scientific that people crave sugar as they're sort of detoxing their body from um, from alcohol or if it really is just this dopamine switching um, type of thing going on. But so a lot of people will say they crave that. And I'm like, well, I don't, I didn't have that. You know, at the beginning I was like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. I don't have that. If anything... Not drinking alcohol makes me want to take better care of myself. I actually want to eat healthier. I crave healthy foods. So I was like, oh, somehow I must have magically bypassed this thing that other people were challenged with. But what I noticed, and it still happens today, is that I replaced it with shopping. So I get a big dopamine kick when I get like a new package in the mail, or I go out and get something new and I bring it home and get it all set up. I mean, I feel this like flood of happy chemicals. I'm like, yay, this is amazing. I love it. So shopping is a big one where I'm like, oh, I think I've just sort of buffered this particular behavior, the alcohol use, and I've shifted it into shopping. So it's so interesting. I mean, like sometimes I'll be on Amazon and I'm like, I can feel the dopamine. Like I can feel like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to get this. When is it going to come? I'm going to look at my orders. I have uh, forgotten that I ordered things on Amazon because I order so much on Amazon. And I'm like, wow. But then I start to feel guilty about that because I'm like, gosh, I really, did I really need that? I don't need that. I mean, there are starving kids all over the world, including in our own country. I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I wasting all this money? So there's sort of a downside to it, but I really do get a dopamine hit with it. And there are people, obviously, that have shopping addictions and all those things. I'm not at that level, um, but I do feel like there's a spectrum, again, with any sort of addiction where I'm like, oh, that's probably a little bit excessive. So there's that one. That one's still ongoing. Actually, my husband just, I had had some fraud on a credit card that I had to cancel, and they sent me a new one. And so I was telling him about it, and he sent me our bank account because I used the Target debit card, you know, like 
who doesn't? Cause you get that 5% off. It's amazing. And he said, I just want to make sure this wasn't part of your fraud. He said, it looks like you went to target 16 times last month. And so I was like, oh my gosh, that's every other day. That's probably right. And it wasn't a large amount of money. It was just like me going to get a few things, but that gives me a little bit of a dopamine kick. Just walking in there is kind of comforting to me. It was one of the first places I went when the um, store started to open up with the pandemic. It was nearby home. I felt pretty safe there. I felt clean. I wore my mask, all those things. And I think there is a level of comfort there too, you know? So because of that, because it was like a comfortable space in a time where I was feeling pretty, all the things like anxious, angry, sad, you know, just experiencing a lot of emotions. So I was like, oh my gosh, I think I did go there every other day. That is kind of excessive. (laughs) I mean, I'm right down the street from it. And like I said, it wasn't a large amount of money, but still that feels pretty excessive to be doing. So it was just something I was starting to think about. I mentioned some of the healthier ways to get that dopamine kick. Obviously, you know, experiencing new things, adventures, which can mean anything. You don't have to jump off of a, uh, or jump out of a, you know, airplane, uh, to get that, that adventure. I think it can be just exploring something new. So sometimes for me, exploring like a new restaurant that just opened and, uh, you know, kind of even like self-rating it where it's like, okay, I would give it a five for ambiance. I would give the food a four. I would give the service a four. You know, I enjoy doing that. And that gives me a dopamine kick. Um, but one of my really healthy strategies, and honestly, I really wish that exercise would have been framed this way to me when I was younger versus being framed as just a weight loss strategy and making your body look better. But I wish they would, they would have framed it from a mental health perspective. I cannot tell you, especially the older I get, how critical exercise is to me. I mean, absolutely critical for my success, for me to get regular exercise in. And I honestly don't do the best job of being consistent with some things, but this is one I've been consistent with, especially over the last couple of years. And even if it's, you know, I'll take a two mile walk. That's been my, my, you know, last six months, kind of what I've been doing. I take a two mile walk, either it's inside if the weather's crappy, which here in Indiana, it has been. And so I have a treadmill and I'll pop on some headphones and watch something that I'm interested in, get on the treadmill. And then I do about 30 minutes, um, of, you know, more strength training. So I get about an hour a day of exercise in. And I remember a time when people would say that and I'm like, an hour a day? Like, how do you even have the time? That's crazy. But you know what? It's that critical to my success. So I'm like, if I do that, I ultimately am more productive for the rest of the day. So if I can get that in, in the morning, then that is a great strategy for me for, you know, productivity for the rest of the day, clarity, all those things that we're really all seeking. So that is a really big one for me. You know, actually I canceled plans this morning with a group of people, some other, you know, coaches, uh, uh, personal professional development people that I really admire and I love. And I canceled my time with them this morning because I was recognizing I was just kind of feeling blah because I'd been on the go a lot over the last couple of weeks and I've gotten out of that one hour a day exercise strategy. And I'm like, that's it. I think I need to spend that time exercising and doing that. And I didn't have the time the rest of the day to do it, you know? So it was like, it was going to have to be then. So I did that and gosh, I just felt this sense of just calm and peace with deciding to do what was best for me. 
And honestly, all those people were super supportive. I kind of told him like, Hey, there's been a lot going on in my life in the last couple of weeks. And I just can't come here. You know, here's, here's why. And they were all great, you know, like reached out to me individually was great, you know? And I also, it was a lesson for me just to be honest with people about what's going on instead of just saying I can't make it or I'm too busy or whatever. I was really honest with them about why I couldn't come and they were great about it. I also don't think you owe anyone an explanation, but it felt kind of good to be really honest instead of just making up some like, you know, superficial excuse like, um, too busy this week, or I got to take my kid to this or, you know, whatever. So it felt good to just be really honest. So that is one of my biggest strategies for getting dopamine in a more healthy, positive way. I honestly don't know what the science is around laughter, but I can't imagine that there isn't a dopamine connection. I'm sure there is. I could have looked it up before, but y'all can Google search it if you want to. But I feel like intense joy with laughter. And I can feel like that flood of dopamine. So similar even to like the exercise and some of the, even the shopping, you know, like it's like they, they all are sort of interrelated, but laughter is great. So I love being around friends that make me laugh. My sister makes me laugh. I feel like I've laughed a lot uh, just with her being home. And I've really enjoyed laughter. When I was on vacation, um, we went to Mexico and my kids were cracking me up. Like... <laughs> is hysterical. Like my daughter was doing this impression of boys and their video games. And I could not stop laughing. She found a stage where there was nobody around, but our family. And she like did this whole performance. And I mean, I was crying. I was laughing so hard. My son did a couple of things that were just hysterical and we're still talking about, Ugh, I like, I just love it. So I think there are lots of other healthy ways that we can, you know, do this dopamine, but just like, I think it's a good awareness of where we're searching for it. Like, where are we grasping for it? If you were listening to this and you quit drinking, you may find that you're switching to something else and maybe it's healthy, maybe it's not so healthy. Okay, we don't need to beat ourselves up about that. Let's just evaluate it. Let's just say, okay, I have the awareness now that this happens to be something I've switched to. How can I maybe add in some more healthy behaviors? Maybe that is the exercise, moving your body, going for a walk. Um, there's a TikTok trend that's out right now, which I really like. And it just says, I can't guarantee that all your problems will be fixed by going for a walk, but nobody's gone for a walk and their day has suddenly gotten worse. <laughs> Obviously barring like something happening, happening to you on the walk, but you know, like nothing really gets worse from taking a walk. I've never heard somebody say, I just feel awful after that. You know, I mean, it's just not a thing. So, you know, there's something there with the, the going out and moving the body. So I will leave you with that for this week. And again, like I said, not a brain scientist. So this dopamine switching term, I don't even know if it's like a real clinical term, but it is something I have seen people use on TikTok, especially people more in the sober community. They're like, oh yeah, that's what that is. That's dopamine switching. So Anyway, I'll leave you with that. So find some dopamine and more of those positive ways to get those dopamine kicks and just sort of recognize like this is just all just an awareness journey. Recognize where you may have shifted some of those things. If you were still considering quitting drinking or cutting back your drinking, um, just know, be aware of this. Like know that this will probably come up for you too because I haven't talked to somebody who hasn't experienced it yet. So this will probably come up for you too. And it might be in surprising ways. Like I said, the shopping thing didn't really, um, like I didn't expect it. Didn't see it really coming. So I will leave 
you for the week and I hope you have a wonderful week. I will be back next week unless I feel uninspired. But honestly, usually when I take that week off, it's like I'm good to go then for a while, which is really interesting. I think it's a sustainability strategy for me as well. So have a wonderful week. We'll talk soon. Don't forget to hit subscribe so you can be reminded for my weekly Wednesday episodes. If you're curious about my programs and options of ways to work with me, check out rachelpritz.com. And if that's not interesting to you right now, no problem. Just keep listening along for free. Either way, I'm here for you.